I am excited about what I get to talk about today. All of the material that we'll be looking at through this sermon series are things that set my heart on fire. And so I hope that I'm able to communicate them well in such a way that, you know, you guys are excited about it too. I looked up some statistics this week just about things that are going on in the world. According to the organization UNICEF, 22,000 children die every single day because of poverty. 22,000 a day. Violence causes more than 1.6, one and a half million deaths every year just because of, of violence of some, some form or another. And one of the most painful kind of things when I think about it is, is the subject of human trafficking. And according to our U.S. State Department, nearly 800,000 people are trafficked across international borders every year, of which 80% of that number are female and half of them are children. Those statistics are, they're just staggering. They're just like, like a punch in the stomach when you think about them. But those are just a few of the very dark and daunting problems that are facing our world. And probably if we brainstormed here in this room, we could, we could easily think of dozens more issues and problems that are, that are equally as significant and equally as difficult. Our, our world, if, if we're being real, our world is a bit of a mess, isn't it? It really, really is. So many things that, that the world is facing, but according to Dallas Willard, who is one of the greatest theologians of our modern time and a favorite of mine, according to Dallas Willard, the greatest issue that's facing the world today with all of the heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or by culture, whether those who are identified as Christians will become disciples. And by disciples, he means students, apprentices, and practitioners of Jesus Christ. Will we learn how to be students, apprentices, and practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence? That is the greatest issue that's facing our world. That is the question that we're asking ourselves. Will those who follow Jesus learn how to live the kingdom into every corner of human existence. Listen, I know I'm not the only one in this room. I know I've had conversations with you guys about what you're passionate about. I'm not the only one in this room that looks around at all of the suffering and all of the hard stuff in the world, whether it's on a global scale, like all of the problems like trafficking and poverty or whether it's closer in, like here in our community, homelessness and addiction. I see it every day out my office window. 
or the most intimate struggles of the people that are closest to us, our friends and our family who are suffering and they're in pain. Not to mention the darkness and the despair that I sometimes find when I turn inward and I look at my own heart and my own soul. I'm not the only one that looks at all these things and says, what on earth do we do? What on earth is to be done about this? But the answer, the answer is found in one of our most familiar and I find one of our most comforting prayers. We pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the answer to what on earth should be done. The kingdom should be done on earth. Should be lived on earth. Should be spread on earth. By the sons and the daughters of God, and that's us. We're the ones that carry the kingdom with us everywhere we set our feet. So the theology and the practice of the kingdom of God is one of the most important distinctives of the vineyard movement. And this concept shapes and informs every other thing that we believe and we do. So obviously that's a great topic for us to explore as we're continuing in this series about, we're calling it Vineyard 101 and it's just all things vineyard. Over the next few weeks we're going to be talking about some of the fundamentals of vineyard belief and culture. And we started last week with some of our history, a bit of an overview. Today we're going to camp out on kingdom theology. Kingdom theology. Sometimes we get tripped up on that word theology, right? But theology matters. Your theology matters. That's not just a matter for, you know, someone leading a church that has to preach. Theology is important. Theology is not just dusty books and $20 words. Theology, at the end of the day, is what you believe to be true about God. That's what theology is. And theology matters because your belief about God is going to dictate how you tell the story of God, both to the people around you and to yourself. And the story that we tell about God, it matters. It matters the story we tell. Why? Because we don't have time for a bad story. Nobody has time for a bad story. The bad story sounds a little bit like this. You might have heard it told this way, maybe not quite so bluntly, but see if this sounds familiar to you. Here's the bad story. So because of stuff that went down thousands of years ago, God can hardly stand to look at you because you and everybody else we know, you're rotten through and through. God can't stand the sight of you. But Jesus kind of likes you, right? Because he's the nice one. So he died for you to give you a shot, the best shot he possibly could, Um, that you would get to spend eternity floating on a fluffy cloud instead of being burned forever. And if you believe all of that, and you try really, really hard to be really, really good until you die, you should be okay. I mean, probably. Probably you'll be okay. 
But in the meantime, tell as many people as you can about this because together we're going to bar the door against the contamination of the world. All of those people out there, the ones that aren't trying as hard to be really, really good. We don't want to get any of that on us. We're going to hang on until the end together. But the world is basically a dumpster fire, so don't go out there. Don't go out there, or you'll get burned. Or worse yet, you might get talked into doing something that's not so good, that's really, really bad, and then you're going to lose your keys to your mansion over the hilltop. Does that sound familiar to anybody else? That is a terrible story. That's a terrible story. But unfortunately, that is all too common. The summary of the way that people understand the gospel. Isn't it? Let's tell a better story. Shall we? Can we do that? Can we tell a better story? The real story? The true story? The story of the kingdom. That's the story that matters. And here's the truth. The kingdom of God is not a place. It's this, that terminology scripturally is not synonymous with heaven, fluffy clouds and angels with harps. The kingdom of God is not a place. It's not where we go when we die if we're lucky. The kingdom of God is the reality that exists Everything is as God would want it to be. In the beginning, what did the world look like? God designed a world that had no suffering. It had no death. He designed a world where the relationship between himself and humanity was perfect. There was perfect intimacy there. Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. They walked in the garden in the cool of the day. That was God's design. Relationship between people was perfect. Adam and Eve also had perfect intimacy and were not ashamed to be who they were in front of each other. That was until they made that choice that fractured that relationship between God and people, shattered the relationship between themselves, and that is when shame and blame entered the world. Their choice also resulted in something that's very important for us to understand. They abdicated the authority that God had given them over the earth. It didn't go back to God, that authority. Where did it go? They abdicated that authority to Satan. That's why the Bible refers to him as the ruler of this world. Because he is. But not forever. Not forever, right? We're told... That once time as we know it has ended, and again we live in the reality where God gets what he wants. It talks about that in the book of Revelation. He will, what will God do when, when he gets to do whatever he wants? He's going to wipe away our tears. Again, in a world where there is no suffering and there is no death, relationship with him and humanity will again be unbroken and unhindered, and so will relationship between People and people, as it tells us that every tongue, tribe, and nation will be represented as they all gather around his throne. That's the picture. 
It's just like it was in the garden, but that's the way it's going to be at the end. But the most amazing thing is what we have to talk about and what we have to understand is we don't have to wait to live in that reality. That's what Jesus accomplished by coming to earth, being born as a human, living as a human, dying as a human, and being resurrected as a human. Because he did that, we don't have to wait until eternity to live in and be a part of expanding the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. What he did accomplished so much more than just purchasing a fire insurance policy for people who try really, really hard to be good. It is so sad to me that we reduce it to that so often. Because what Jesus did was cause the future reality of the kingdom of God to break into history now. And he provided the mechanism for us as his followers to be able to access that reality with all of its benefits and its resources. That, my friends... That's the game changer. When we look around at all the daunting problems in our world, at all the pain and the suffering we see, and when we're confronted with our own brokenness, we have access to all of the power, the presence, the provision, and the protection of the kingdom of God, no matter what we're facing. We have access to the resources of heaven, to the resources of the future. That's a way better story. That's a way better story. That's the true story, and that is the good news of the gospel. That's the good news. But something I I love about the vineyard is that we try to tell the whole story. We tell the whole story, even the bits that are hard. Because we don't actually live in the future yet, right? We still live in this fallen world. And this world is like an occupied country. Where Satan, the ruler of the world, the kingdom of darkness occupies our space. And so the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, those two kingdoms are clashing all the time. One day the war will be over when Jesus returns again. It will. It'll be finished. But for now, you and I live in the in-between time. We are citizens of the kingdom of God living in an occupied country. And so that's why when we talk about the kingdom of God, we talk about it in terms of the now and the not yet. That's a very vineyard phrase, the now and the not yet. It is all at once somehow completely true that the kingdom is here and that it's coming in the future. That's a tension. It's a tension that we manage And it's a bit of a mystery at the end of the day. 
But that's absolutely the way that Jesus described it. That's the way he talked about the kingdom. Here, coming, near, not far off. I challenge you this week to read through the Gospels. If this is the first time that you're hearing something like this, read through the Gospels and see if I'm not right. This is the way that Jesus talked about the kingdom. Look for that language. The kingdom is upon you. The kingdom is a little ways off. The kingdom is basically most of what Jesus talked about. But I told you that we ought to make it our goal to tell a story that matters, right? We want to, we want to tell a story that matters. Well, this is a huge part of telling a story that matters. The story has to work all the time. It has to work all the time. It has to work when things are going great and when they're not. In the good times and in the bad times. The story has to work. It has to work when I'm here on the front row, immersed in God's presence during worship and crying because I'm overcome with just closeness to God and the intimacy of all that and his love for me and it's so wonderful and it has to work when I'm driving home in the car and I get into a fight with my husband it's got to work in both places you guys we fight I mean you know, sorry if that you know just knock me down off the pedestal once in a while we throw down I'm kind of hard to live with I think It's got to work when you get hired for the exciting job that you really wanted to get. And the story's got to work when you lose your job, too, or you get laid off. It's got to work all the time. It's got to work when we pray for someone that we love to recover from an illness. And that happens. I've seen some amazing things in my years following Jesus. Physical healings from real diseases. But it's got to work when we pray our very best prayers and that person dies. A story that's full of faith and it's full of hope that all of the blessings of heaven are going to flow into our life because that's what Jesus wants for us. But a story that also acknowledges and has framework for the suffering and the loss that we know is real. That's a story that matters. That's a story that matters. And that is why I love, I love, I love about the vineyard. Our framework for the theology and the practice of the kingdom of God. As we close today, I just want to leave you with with another truth about the kingdom that I think is probably one of the most remarkable things at all of all. I read from Luke chapter 17 verses 20 and 21. Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. 
The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. Because you are in Christ and he is in you, the kingdom of God is within you. So what is the kingdom of God? All of the realities of the future, all of the resources of the future, all of the benefits of the future where God can have his way. That is the reality of your internal state. I like the, the imagery of something like, like a castle. You know, your heart, your soul, your spirit. Imagine it like, imagine it like a castle. There's, there's walls there of protection. Now there's a, there's a door in the wall, or there should be. Like <laughs> walls, walls are healthy when they serve their proper function. And they can keep the bad out and the good in. So there's got to be a door in the wall there somewhere. But imagine your heart is a castle. And God is the ruler of that castle. The kingdom of heaven is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. And what that means is that no matter what else is happening outside, what we can always do is give him dominion over that space. Nothing can, nothing can breach those walls if we don't open the door and let it in. And God fights to protect those walls. God fights to keep the things that can harm you outside of those walls and the things that are good for you in. And he himself is the king of our hearts and the king of our castles. And I just think that's, that's a beautiful way to look at it because what that means is we're safe and we're protected. We have his presence with us. We have his power. We have his provision and we have his protection that we carry with us everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, it's always within us. So I think, I think what I want to do as we sort of end our time together is because this is an internal reality. It's not something that really, it's not to, to get in touch with that is not a journey that I can necessarily like impose on you and lead you through. And so I want us to take a few moments of silence. I'm going to give it, I think probably Let's say a minute and a half. Let me have my phone. I'm going to time it because I don't want anybody to get nervous. A minute and a half feels like eternity if you're not used to spending time in silence. And for some of us, this makes us really uncomfortable. I know I'm, I'm in a season of life right now where I'm not especially fond of my own thoughts. And I will distract myself with anything I possibly can so that I can avoid having to confront them and think through them. So if that's you, I just want to encourage you to take a deep breath and know that you are loved and you are held in that space. And God is with us. God is near. The kingdom of God is within you. And you can trust him as you connect with that here. So let me set a little bit of a timer. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to reflect on that phrase, the kingdom of God is within me.
Don't, don't try to pray an elaborate prayer or, you know, a laundry list of all the, 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 the moments where you weren't very good this week or anything like that. This isn't time to, like, confession and I'm, I'm scared of being in your presence. Don't just set all that aside. Set all that aside. God is here. He loves you. None of that matters. Just sort of reflect and meditate on that. The kingdom of God is within me. And just see what he'll say. See what he'll say. See what stirs up in your heart, the thoughts that come in, and just sort of hold those in this empty space.